Hey, welcome to the Recruiting Trail. I'm your host, Andrew Nimick of the Oregonian Oregon Live, bringing you the latest on the recruiting trail from the Oregon Ducks, the Oregon State Beavers, and Oregon High School athletes. We will touch on all three of those major categories this week, starting with Oregon Ducks men's basketball landing five-star center Kellel Ware, the number 15 player in the country, the number three center in the country. He will not be part of the program this coming fall because he's a class of 2022 prospect, but he joins Dior Johnson, the number one point guard in the nation. For the class of 2022, giving Oregon a two-man class that ranks number eight nationally already with just two players. If you've been listening to the show, I mentioned as soon as Oregon got Dior Johnson, how big a deal that was, not just because he's the number one point guard in the country, but because he was a guy who's considered a Pied Piper recruit. Listen, there are recruits who come to a school and and it's nice that they're coming. They're four and five-star recruits. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're guys who move the needle, particularly in basketball, even more so than football. Uh, you'll get guys that are, they're big-time recruits, but they don't necessarily bring other guys with them. Not the case with Dior Johnson. He is a very popular presence on social media. He's well-liked. And he's believed to be a great on-court teammate. He shares the basketball. Yes, he's a five-star point guard, but he doesn't need to be an elite scorer. He doesn't need to try to score 30 a night. He's comfortable getting 18 and trying to get 10 assists and getting a win. That's what he's about. He plays great defense. He does it all. And guys want to play with that kind of player who's also a good leader. So I mentioned Dior Johnson is not going to be the end. Other guys are going to want to play with him. And sure enough, it doesn't even take Oregon very long. And they land Kel Ware, the number 15 player in the country, the number three center, one of the top recruits in Oregon history. Kel Ware, seven feet tall, 210 pounds, can kind of play inside and outside. Frankly, he's a little bit similar to Nathan Biddle in terms of what he brings to the table as a skill set. If people forgot, Nathan Biddle's an incoming freshman for Oregon. He was the number nine prospect in the country when he committed. Uh, talented kid. He'll be on campus right away. Again, he's already on campus competing, and, and he's got a chance to really make an impact right away as as a top 10 player nationally, Kel Ware is a little bit more polarizing. ESPN's Adam Finkelstein joined recruiting with Andrew Nemec last week on 1080 The Fan. That shows Thursday nights from 7 to 8 p.m. And he said ESPN's got him 75th. And the reason is talent, raw talent, raw potential versus production. Kel Ware has all the tools. And Finkelstein mentioned this too. And, and this is what you get across the board. Even 24-7, who ranks him 15, says, we love him. The work ethic needs to come along. The body language needs to come along. The effort on both ends needs to come along. And that's what Adam Finkelstein said on, on the show, that that frankly, ESPN could very easily look foolish in the end having him 75th because from a raw tool standpoint, he's got a chance to be a top 15 to 25 producer nationally. The problem has been so far, he hasn't put in that effort. And Finkelstein mentioned this. I've also heard this, that Dior Johnson demands so much effort from his teammates that actually Kel Ware maybe picked a great spot for himself independent of Oregon and what they offer in that kind of by happenstance, he's going to play with a point guard who's going to force him to play hard on both ends. That's going to demand that of him. And that might in turn lead to him performing better than he would if he were the focal point at another school, say in Arkansas 
which was another one of his his contenders, Texas, another school that was in there. So a monster get for Oregon. As I've mentioned a couple times, they are also in it for Amani Bates. Amani Bates is the number one prospect in the country for the class of 2022. He recently reclassified to the class of 2021. His final three colleges, Memphis, Michigan State and Oregon. He's also considering the G League. And another tweet of Adam Finkelstein's from ESPN, he mentioned, even if the G League reaches seven figures, those are the type of NIL deals that will be on the table for Amani Bates wherever he chooses, whether he chooses Memphis, Michigan State, or Oregon. Everything I'm hearing, and it is not done, he still may take visits, but everything I'm hearing is right now of the colleges, Oregon is the leader. That Oregon, if he goes to college, Oregon probably would be the landing spot. The G League is is appealing. So it's Oregon or G League right now. But he still could take visits. He could still change things. And Amani Bates, the only, in air quotes here, knock on Amani Bates is that he was one of the, like he was considered one of those generational talents when he was a freshman and sophomore. He was number one with a bullet. When he was a freshman and sophomore, there was discussion about where he'd rank in the senior class at the time. And he was being talked about as a top five talent in a senior class when he was a freshman, when he was a sophomore. He's that level of talent. The only knock on him is that he's come down a little bit. Now, again, he's still the number one prospect in the nation for 2022, according to ESPN, but it's not by so far that he's lapping the field. And he was, as a freshman, the number one prospect in the country among freshmen and lapping the field. If he reclassifies, and again, that sounds like what he's going to do, he probably won't be the number one prospect in the class of 2021. Why? Because he went up against older kids. How does he fare against those guys? Eh, he'd still be a top three or four player in the country. So we're talking about a very impactful player. You're you're really nitpicking if you're saying, well, Imani Bates isn't, air quotes here, that special. Yes, he very much is. Even if he reclassifies into a group with older players, he's still one of the top three or four players in the entire country. That's how good Imani Bates could be. That's how special Amani Bates is. And Oregon's got a real shot here, and he would be eligible this season. And not only would he be eligible this season, but because he's reclassifying and because he's young, he has a January, a late January birthday, as the current NBA rules stand, he is not eligible for next year's draft. So if he chooses college, there's a chance he's in college for two years. Now, he may do one year in college and then go to the G League, or he may just decide to jump to the G League right away, or he could do college for two years. All of those options are on the table, and his dad has mentioned that. They will take it season by season, year by year, when it comes to Amani Bates' status. But as of right now, he's reclassified, and I think Oregon's chances right now with him, I think among college teams, they're the favorite. I think with the G League in there, I think Oregon's got like a 50% chance of landing Amani Bates. I mean, this is this kid is projected to be Paul George. That's 24-7's comp for him. Paul George. Oregon has had some great talents. Peyton Pritchard, Dylan Brooks, Tyler Dorsey. You know, Marty Lunen, Bryce Taylor, Malik Hairston are good players who had long professional careers. Obviously, you can go back even further and go Terrell Brandon. Oregon's had good players, but they haven't had too many consistent guys you're going to see on All-Star Weekend. That might change with Imani Bates, Dior Johnson, and Kel Elware, and Nathan Biddle. Oregon's recruiting at a different level right now. They really are. They're starting to recruit and consistently not just compete with Duke and North Carolina and Kansas and Michigan State. They're beating them head to head. Not every single time, 
but they're beating them consistently enough that when it's Oregon versus Duke versus North Carolina, you don't just go, well, it's going to be Duke or North Carolina. Oregon doesn't have a shot. They're Oregon. doesn't work like that. Oregon's very much in the mix. In fact, Oregon has beaten Kansas for like eight of their last 15 prospects. It's something crazy like that, that Oregon's top-rated prospects have overwhelmingly chosen Oregon with having an offer from Kansas. Oregon is way up there in the recruiting rankings. Really fun to see. Kellel Ware obviously adds to that. Oregon not done in the class of 2022, obviously, with only two prospects and everybody getting excited about the chance to play with Dior Johnson and Kellel Ware. But they may not also be done in the class of 2021 because everybody's on a Monty Bates watch. Going to be very interesting to see. We'll take a very quick break. When we come back, breaking down not only Oregon's recent commitment, and it's a much bigger one than people realize, but also laying out the rest of the month of August, because Oregon could finish with one of their best months ever in the state of California. Welcome back. Big commitment for the Oregon Ducks this week. And on paper, maybe people don't fully understand or appreciate just how good this player is. Four-star cornerback Jalil Florence out of Lincoln High School in San Diego, California, chose Oregon over Michigan and Washington. I know there's some Oregon fans who are doing a little jig that they uh, beat out Washington for a key prospect. He's six foot one, 180 pounds. He's the number 33 corner in the country. And you might be going, okay, he's a top 35 corner nationally. What do we really think? And and the truth is, I think Jalil Florence is a monster, monster get. Not only does he have prototypical size as a corner, he also can hit. He's physical. He moves well. I know people love it when I drop one of these. He's got oily hips. He's got very fluid hips. He can open up his hips and break on a football. He's a very talented player. He's fairly new to the game of football. He was primarily a basketball kid for a long time. And he was bamming on everybody early in high school and, and, you know, folks said, Hey, maybe, maybe focus on football. And he's this big, physical, talented corner. I had a chance to talk to Greg Biggins leading up to Florence's commitment and saying, what is this guy? If Oregon gets him, what is he? And he said, I've seen him and, and he dominates at times. I mean, absolutely can look phenomenal. He might rise up significantly in 24-7 sports rankings by the end of things. This is a kid, again, six foot one, 180 pounds. So you go, okay, he's a little big. Is he fast enough? Is he fast enough to be an elite Pac-12 corner? Well, Jaleel Florence, to work on his speed, decided to run track recently, still has no idea what he's doing in terms of getting out of the blocks. And even with an obvious, and I don't know a ton about track, but I do know how to get out. I mean, I do, I can visually see when a guy kind of stumbles out of the blocks. I think most of us can. Even with not the cleanest start out of the blocks, as a high school junior, he ran a 10 7 Hundred. That is lightning fast. That's lightning fast. And he cost himself more than a tenth with a bad start. He could end up being a 10-5 guy in the hundred out of high school at 6-1-180. Jalil Florence, I don't think, gets the credit he's going to get as of, or he deserves as of right now. I think he's something like uh, Oregon's 10th best commitment in this class in terms of the composite ranking on 24-7 sports. And I'm just going to tell you, I think he's a top five talent in this class right now. I think there's a really good chance based on his speed, based on his size, based on his versatility that we could three, four, five years from now be looking at a player that the NFL draft covets. And even if he's not, even if he's not Javon Holland, and that's a huge ask, right? To say he's going to be Javon Holland. 
I think he could be one of those players who's so versatile that it raises his draft stock. And I guess that's where my comparison with Javon Holland ends. I'm not trying to say he's the next Javon Holland, but I am saying he could end up being a very good corner. He could end up being a very good slot corner. He could, or a, you know, a nickel corner. He could end up being a really good safety. There's a lot of things he could end up doing at the college level, and none of them would surprise you. And even if he does end up being a corner on the outside, he might be able to be versatile enough to slide inside or play a little safety. And when you're able to do that, you really add value to who you are as a player because you add depth at a number of spots. I think Jalil Florence is an absolute monster addition. And the other added bonus of Jalil Florence is, and, and I don't know if I formally made a prediction anywhere, I do think this absolutely locks up Jalil Tucker. I think Jalil Tucker, who's the number four athlete in the entire country, the number 61 overall prospect in the country, he's Jalil Florence's high school teammate at Lincoln High School in San Diego. Jalil Tucker is announcing on August 20th. I believe he's announcing um, with KUSI just like Jalil Florence did. I think this duo is a lock. Now, they have not said, in fact, they've said the opposite. They are not a package deal, but they are close friends and playing together would be a benefit. Jalil Tucker is even faster than Jalil Florence. I don't know if he's as versatile as a defensive back, but in terms of just his his raw ranking, Jalil Tucker is is a monster and Florida State, Oregon, and Washington are all involved in that recruitment. I think it's as close to a lock as it gets. I have not heard directly from Jalil Tucker that he's committing to Oregon. If he had, I probably wouldn't be making this prediction so strongly because that would be giving it away. Uh, But I feel very, very strongly Jalil Tucker at this point is going to be a duck. Again, the number four athlete in the entire country, the number 61 prospect overall, a top three or four get in this class for Oregon so far. If they get him right now, as it stands on Thursday, Friday, even uh, of this week, as it stands, Oregon is 11th in the country in recruiting. If you gave them Jalil Tucker, they climb to ninth and they jump Clemson. Not bad for a year where Oregon, in air quotes here, is experiencing a little bit of a down year, where the state of California is experiencing a little bit of a down year, where the West region, in terms of class of 2022 recruits, is a little bit down. And I think that made it harder. And you look at what Oregon's done, and and they've had to kind of supplement the talent they normally get on the West Coast by going across the country. Isaiah Satega from Arkansas. They've landed four players out of the state of Texas, headlined by Kelvin Banks Jr., the five-star offensive tackle. Oregon's had to supplement the normal talent they'd get in the West because the West Coast is down. And because of that, you look and across the board in the Pac-12 right now, the Pac-12 is down in recruiting, even for the Pac-12. And so when I say it's a little bit of a down year for Oregon, I'm not killing Oregon. The West region's down and everybody else is having to supplement their talent just like Oregon is with the rest of the country. Oregon's doing the best job of it. Four-star safety Landon Hullaby, four-star wide receiver Nicholas Anderson, five-star offensive tackle Kelvin Banks Jr., four-star offensive guard slash tackle Cameron Williams. Talented pieces. Isaiah Sategna out of, out of Arkansas. They've done a good job of supplementing. You look at the next best team in the Pac-12. Let's take a look at the rankings. The next best team in the Pac-12 isn't in the top 25 nationally. It's USC at 28th. People are making a big deal about, you know, USC's figuring it out. They've got some of the top players in the country. USC right now is 28th in the country. 
So even if you say, okay, it's a little bit of a down year for Oregon, what does that mean? Well, they finished with their best class ever last year with a top five class. They had a seven, eight, nine class the year before that. Three years in a row, they've had the number one recruiting class in the Pac-12. This would be four. And right now it looks solidly like it's going to get there. USC could always close. But as of right now, Oregon's right on the edge of a top 10 class. USC is still fighting to be top 25. And I don't think necessarily that means, although there are concerns, I don't think that necessarily means the whole rest of the Pac-12 is recruiting like crap. I don't think that means that. I think this is a rare case where the West region as a whole, California's a little down, Arizona and Washington the last couple of years have had historic recruiting classes. Five-star quarterback Ty Thompson, uh, f- you know, four-star offensive lineman coming out of Arizona, five-star corners coming out of Arizona, Washington just had JT Tuomalau, Emeka Egbuka, Sam Heward. That's three five-star players at premium positions. Wide receiver Emeka Ibuka, quarterback Sam Heward, number one player in the nation, JT Tumalau. You don't see three five-stars coming out of Washington. You don't see Arizona consistently producing six, seven, eight, nine, ten four-star, five-stars every class. It doesn't happen. So not only is California down a little bit this year, but Arizona and Washington aren't as up as they've been the past few years. And even at that, again, Oregon with the top 10 class because they've supplemented. Throughout this recruiting class, we haven't necessarily seen Oregon kill it in California. That might be changing this month. They've already got Jalil Florence. I predict they get Jalil Tucker. Where you suddenly see Oregon dunking on the Pac-12. Where we start saying, okay, Oregon's doing what Oregon does all over again. Tatario McMillan is committing on August 16th. Tatario McMillan is a borderline five-star receiver. He just won the MVP of the opening. The opening is the camp for the top 166 players in the nation. Every year, the top, well, the entire Elite 11 finalists are there. So all the top 16, 17, 18 quarterbacks in the country are there. Then the top five, six, seven, eight players at every position in the country are invited. Okay, so if you end up even being like on somebody's alpha dog list and 24-7 does a great job with their alpha dog list at a position, if you're the positional MVP, if you're the quarterback MVP, the running back MVP, the wide receiver MVP, the O-line MVP, you get it. You're a monster. It might mean you're the best player at your position in the country if you walk away with an MVP, a positional MVP. McMillan went away with the entire camp MVP. That's how good McMillan is. Final three. Arizona, Oregon, Washington. Now, I heard as of late June that Oregon was basically running second to Arizona, that Arizona was the leader. I have since heard that the gap has narrowed considerably, that it is a very, very tight race. McMillan at a Servite High School, six foot three, 180 pounds. Greg Biggins is careful with his comparisons. He doesn't like to get outlandish. He's not crazy. In fact, he's one of the best guys in the business. There are reason, there are reasons that he and Greg, uh, he and Brandon Huffman work together at 24 seven sports so well. And those guys are two of the best guys in the entire country. He's very careful. His comp for McMillan is AJ Green. His projection is NFL first round draft pick. So you may think Tatario McMillan, eh. Number five receiver in the country, number 27 overall. That's amazing. That's amazing. But it's not program altering. McMillan is a program altering receiver. McMillan is a receiver that you could potentially see playing in Pro Bowls in the future. McMillan is special. If Oregon can go three for three with Jalil Florence, 
Tatario McMillan on August 16th and Jalil Tucker on August 20th, that gives them three of the best players from the state of California in a down year. Getting all three of them over schools that are recruiting rivals. I don't necessarily think USC is a is a pure rival with Oregon, although in the last 10 years, they've battled for a number of Pac-12 titles. Oregon's probably come out on top more than they have in the last 10 years. That being said, they are recruiting rivals. Oregon and USC compete for recruits regularly. They're both in the mix for McMillan. Jalil Florence chose Oregon over Michigan and Washington. Jalil Tucker, I project, chooses Oregon over Florida State and Washington. In a down year, and I've mentioned this before when it comes to offensive linemen on the West Coast, if you blanket get the top offensive linemen in the West Coast, because there aren't a lot of them, the gap, if you get most of them, the gap between you and everybody else gets wider because you took them all. And if there aren't very many, the drop from number one to number two, or in this case, in, in Oregon's case, sometimes when it comes to offensive linemen, the drop from the number two offensive tackle in the, in the, on the West region to the number three sometimes is 40 spots in the national rankings, 20 spots in the national rankings. It happened last year. Oregon got the top two offensive tackles in the West region, Kingsley, Suomataia, and Bram Walden. Those are two of the top 11 tackles in the country. The next best tackle in the West region was like 37th in the whole West region. So Oregon gets like the number five and number nine offensive tackles in the, in the country. And the next best tackle to choose a Pac-12 school is like the 35th best guy. That gap matters because you're doing so much more. And that might be the case here in California if Oregon keeps this up because it's not as good as it's been. It's still a very good state. It's just a down year for California. They still lap Oregon. They still, in, in terms of high school talent, California still laps Arizona in terms of high school talent. They still lap Nevada. Uh, they, they're still good. But if Oregon can pull out McMillan, Tucker, and Florence, suddenly, suddenly this it gets even thinner there. And USC and UCLA and Arizona and Arizona State and Oregon State and Washington, they're having to fight for a lower tier player. It could be huge. Three for three, huge. Three for three is the kind of thing you go, there aren't too many things that can blow your hair back anymore with Mario Cristobal, because we've seen him do so many good things. There aren't that many things that would floor me. If you'd have told me two months ago, by the end of the summer, Oregon will get Jalil Florence, Jalil Tucker, and Tatario McMillan, I'd have been floored. I'd have been floored. I'm not predicting it happens. McMillan's battle, again, is very tight between Arizona and Oregon, but it's closer than people think. I think a lot of people think it's Arizona. I think Oregon's right there. If they go three for three, Oh boy. Oh boy. We're talking about a different level of recruiting than maybe people expect from Oregon even. I mean, it's, it's all-star recruiting even for Oregon to go three for three with those three. Jalil Florence is one of the top 15 corners in the country. He just is. He's raw, but the measurables, the speed, the size, he, and, and the ceiling are off the charts. Jalil Tucker's the number four athlete in the country, blazing, blazing fast. Great to get both those guys out of San Diego, keep the San Diego pipeline together, A-plus recruiting, A-plus in terms of importance of keeping San Diego. They also got Grayson Halton out of San Diego this class. So A-plus effort in keeping San Diego green and yellow. A-plus effort in terms of getting the three top players out of San Diego out of San Diego. 
and then to potentially get the opening MVP any year you're able to get that guy. And that guy historically is, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Tua Tango Vailoa. They're big name guys. They're guys that end up being first round picks. They're guys that end up being top 10 picks in the, in the NFL draft. They're that good. That's, that's who those guys are. To get the opening MVP every year or any year is a plus recruiting. So between potentially, Oregon could end August potentially getting an A plus for their effort in San Diego with the two Jalils and get an A-plus for getting arguably one of the most dynamic receivers to come out of California in the last several years. I personally think McMillan's a better prospect than any of the receivers Oregon got in 2021. Dante Thornton is great. Troy Franklin is great. McMillan, in my opinion, is better. And that's not a knock on those guys, because I like all three of them. I think all three of them are fantastic. But I think McMillan is slightly better. I think McMillan ends up being a five-star receiver. That's how good McMillan is. Greg Biggins doesn't make comps lightly. He comped him to A.J. Green. Get the Jalils. I think that gets done. I think Oregon gets the A-plus for San Diego recruiting, and then we find out August 16th. So I guess before we find out on Tucker, August 16th, we'll find out, does Oregon beat Arizona for McMillan? On paper recently, you'd say, yeah, Oregon probably does. But looking at it closely, everyone thinks Arizona's got a slight lead. And we'll just have to see. Oregon fans are going to have to cross their fingers. I'm going to have to wait and see. Oregon fans are going to have to cross their fingers and see. It's a big month. It's a big month because California's been tough. This is a tough year for California recruits. It just is. And if you in one month get Jalil Florence, Jalil Tucker, and I'm saying his name wrong each time, Tatario McMillan. But I've asked people who have interviewed him and asked for him specifically, and they say, oh, it's really hard to say. And they can't get it. I've asked three people. No one can say it. So I'm going to go with Tatario McMillan until I hear otherwise specifically. But get it going three for three with those guys would be insane. Insane. And what are we doing here? We're talking about Oregon recruiting. And we could easily see a scenario in the next couple months. It's not the most likely scenario. It is possible. It's possible that Oregon ends the summer with Kalel Ware, check, five-star center for basketball. Amani Bates, question mark, big question mark, number one recruit in the class of 2022, reclassifying to 2021, but could have two years in college, monster recruit, monster recruit, could be, could happen. They've already got Jalil Florence, check, one of my favorite defensive players in the entire West Coast for the class of 2022. I think he's criminally underrated. They could end up with the opening MVP, uh, pretty consistently a guy that ends up being a top 10 pick in the NFL draft down the road. That's been the projection of the opening MVPs historically. Big question mark, but possible. And Jalil Tucker, the number four athlete in the country. And it's a question mark, but it's a little question mark. I almost give it half a check because I think Jalil Tucker is almost a slam dunk done deal. Can you imagine if that's how Oregon closes out their summer? Amani Bates, Kalel Ware in basketball to go with Dior Johnson, the number one point guard in the nation. And then football gets Jalil Florence, Jalil Tucker, and Tatario McMillan. Forget about it. That's some of the best six weeks of recruiting we will ever see in the history of Oregon. Could happen. Buckle up. It's going to be fun if you're an Oregon Duck watching how things unfold on the recruiting trail in the next few weeks. I mentioned there'd be a local story, and I I cannot, I would be remiss if I went through this and didn't mention Jackson Shellstead, the class of 2023 West Lynn point guard. He got more offers, folks. 
And you figured he would. I mentioned that he had a monster AAU circuit that he killed it at Peach Jam. Picked up two more offers. UCLA and Florida. Jackson Shellstead picking up the mantle that Peyton Pritchard has laid down in at Westland High School and running with it. And he will end up as a more heavily recruited player than Peyton Pritchard. I don't know if he's going to end up being as good in college and as we're seeing right now in the summer league, as good a pro as Peyton Pritchard is proving to be. But from a pure high school basketball recruiting standpoint, Jackson Shellstead is the better prospect. He's going to end up being rated higher. And since he's already got an offer from Kansas, he's and, and he's got an offer from Oregon and Oregon State and Arizona and UCLA, he's a blue blood recruit. Jackson Shellstead, the only schools that are like the next layer, the last level that he's missing are Duke, Kentucky, and North Carolina, if you're splitting hairs. Because as of right now, and as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, Oregon's recruiting, Kansas is recruiting alongside those guys pretty regularly. Jackson Shellstead is proving to be one of the most dynamic point guards in America. He's special. His basketball IQ's off the charts. He can get a bucket. He can create a bucket for his teammates. He kind of does it all. And honestly, when I watch a kid, I, I kind of try in my own way to poke holes. You want to find flaws. You want to find things in a kid where, as a, as a, because you can't just walk away from everybody in a gym and go, he's perfect. Because they're high school kids. They're not perfect. If you don't find multiple things, you're probably doing it wrong. But there aren't very many things to poke holes in with Jackson Shellstead. He's not the biggest kid. He's not a 6'4 point guard. But he can score at all three levels. He can attack at the rim. He can facilitate. He's a good on-ball defender. He's special. I think he's very close to Peyton Pritchard. I mentioned when he visited Oregon, got the offer from Oregon, his first phone call when he was allowed to was to Peyton Pritchard. I think Oregon's always going to be heavily involved, if not one of the favorites for him. But it's far from done. And each week, it seems like we're having to do a Jackson Shellstead update, the latest in his recruitment, because he keeps adding monster offers. This week, it's UCLA and Florida. If McMillan commits to Oregon, I promise you, it's a promise, we're doing a podcast. Number five receiver in the country, the opening MVP podcast. Because in my opinion, that might be the best offensive weapon Oregon's gotten in a number of years. Again, I think he's better than Troy Franklin. I think he's better than Dante Thornton. I I don't necessarily count quarterbacks as weapons. I I consider that more the running back wide receiver mixture. And the only guy I can even, you know, compare him to is he's like a Jonathan Stewart level impact guy. That's how good he is. That that's where he ranks. You know, Colt Lierla was an athlete who could have played defense or offense. He was a monster recruit, but he had so many off the field issues. There was questions about how good he'd be. To me, McMillan has one of those Pro Bowl ceilings. To me, McMillan has one of those ceilings. You go, cool. I'm excited to buy his Oregon jersey. If you're an Oregon fan, I'm saying. And then when he gets drafted, I'll be really excited to wear his NFL jersey and watch him on Sundays and maybe watch him in the Pro Bowl. That's how good he is. So podcast, August 16th, if McMillan chooses Oregon. If not, we'll still have our normal weekly podcast. Thank you for listening to The Recruiting Trail. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Please, if you could, If you like it, 
If you think it's fun, if you listen every week, if you listen on your run, I've heard a number of people listen on their runs. Shout out to uh, Redmond, Oregon. I know there's a runner there who listens every time, well, each episode uh, on their run. So please leave a five-star review if you get that level of entertainment out of this podcast, if it helps you get through that workout, if it's just something you listen to in the car, whatever the case may be, and take your friend's phone. If you love the show, Take your friend's phone, take your wife's phone, take your son or daughter's phone, take your husband's phone and subscribe and leave a five-star review on their phones too. I'm, I'm not against sneaking through the rules here a little bit that you know we double up on these five-star reviews for people, multiple from the same household because you love the show so much, you borrow somebody's phone and, and go ahead and uh, subscribe for them. Please do it. It helps me out. It lets us keep pumping these out. Thank you for listening. Appreciate you.